Romans 14 and verse number one. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. It says, if we skip over to verse number, verse number 17, we'll start in verse 15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him, with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, But it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to eat, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. We're going to continue the study, the study of the topic, Love Stops. Love Stops. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you would help us now, Lord, as we consider this topic of Christian charity one toward another. Love, your kind of love. Lord, please help me as I preach. Lord, I pray for there, if there's one or two in the room or perhaps listening to the recording, they have never yet placed their faith and trust in you. I pray, God, that you would make it very clear their need for salvation and they would trust you today. I pray you would help us as Christians see this principle of walking charitably for the sake of the weak. We love you. Thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when we look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament is primarily a recording of one group of people. It's really centers around the Jewish people. And God gave the law of Moses to the Jewish people. And God really records the history of the Jewish nation in the Old Testament. Then when we get to the New Testament, um, we, it starts with John the Baptist. It starts with the birth of Christ, the ministry of Christ. Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And in the first few books, or the first few chapters of the book of Acts, where it records the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, and the gospel growing, really, it's a Jewish gospel, right? Meaning, it's not only for the Jews, but it is a record of the Jews being saved. It didn't take very long before persecution started centering in on the city of Jerusalem, and 
This is right after the time that Jesus died on the cross and after he rose from the dead. The church had amazing growth at that time. Thousands of people were trusting Christ. And so there was a huge group of believers there. The government did not like that. And so we see in the book of Acts where they begin to persecute the church. And because of this persecution, many people left Jerusalem and they left Judea and they left the area of the world that we now know as Israel. And they went other places. Now, some of these people had traveled in during the time of Jesus' crucifixion for the Passover. They came from many, many different countries to celebrate the Passover feast. And so they, when they got saved, they stayed, right? They stayed there. They, they received Christ as their Savior. They learned about Christianity. The Bible says they had everything in common. And people were even selling their land and bringing in the money in order to take care of all of these believers that were there. Now, this is just a record of what was happening. It's not necessarily um, something that God is instructing the church to do. We're not instructed to sell all of our stuff and everybody come and live at the church and let's just live together and let's just teach and let's praise. That's not, that was just for this particular time that they did that. But when the persecution came, everyone who had traveled in for the Passover, they returned back home. And as they went, they were not professional ministry people. They were not apostles. Uh, They were not called to preach per se. They were just Christians who knew that God saved them. And they told other people their story about the truth of Jesus Christ and the truth of what God had done in their life in delivering them from this old stuffy religion. It was God's religion, but this old stuffy religion of Old Testament Judaism into now New Testament Christianity. The Messiah has come. Jesus is here. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again from the dead. 500 of the brethren of the Christians saw Jesus at one time and many, many others. This was, hey, at this time, this was a verifiable fact to find a living believer who had actually seen the resurrected Christ. This was the message. This was the life. And they were telling everyone and they were sharing the gospel. And guys, this is an example to us as believers today. We may not know everything about the Bible. Nobody does. I don't. Right? Uh, We don't know everything about the Bible. Some of us have been privileged to, to study longer or study more in depth. But listen, if you're sitting here today and God has saved you through the blood of Jesus Christ, you know you're born again. You've had that experience, not something that happened to you, but something that you chose when you heard the gospel. You know you're saved. You've got that assurance inside. First, in, in, the, in the book of 1 John, it goes through many different um, proofs of salvation, one of which is the Spirit. This one's in Romans, but the same truth is in 1 John. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Whenever we begin to have doubts that we're Christians, whenever we begin to slide back or maybe you don't feel it, God, listen, it doesn't mean you've lost your salvation if you're truly saved. It just means God is trying to bring you to a greater maturity in your faith, because yes, sometimes we can feel God and we know he's there. And listen, other times we can't. It doesn't mean that he's gone. It just means that he's, he's helping you mature in your faith. But here's one thing. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Is that true? Is that what it says? 
Okay? And so in those times of doubt, what, is, what, what do I do? What, what, what can we do? We can go to him and say, God, I'm, I've got some doubts. And over and over and over again in scripture, he says that he himself is the one. Not the pastor, not the church, not the song, not the sermon. But he himself is the one who comes and bears witness with our spirit. He comes, he's inside of us. And he's the one that tells us deep inside, no, no, you're, you belong to me. I know my sheep, he says in John chapter number 10. I know my sheep and they, they, they know my voice. And that's a paraphrase. Isn't that true? It's absolutely true. And so they're, they're sharing this message as they go. They're sharing it to non-Jewish people. Praise God. For God so loved the world. He loves the world. And they were sharing that message with the world. People around the Middle East and around that area, all the way, all the way even over into, into Italy, people were getting saved. They were hearing the gospel and they were getting saved. Why? Because it's true. Ultimately, why should we believe the gospel? Because it's true. It's not just the best. It's because it's actually true. He actually is who he said he he, he was. He is who he says he is. Jesus really is the son of God. And he proved that not just through his death, but through his resurrection. He proved it. We believe it because it's true. Ultimately, factually, it is absolutely 100% true. And they're going out and they're just, they're sharing the truth. The truth of who Jesus is and the truth of what happened in their life when they heard the message. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit of God accompanies the message as it's being preached, because it is, it is not the excellency of the speaker. It's not the ability of someone to outwit someone else in the wisdom of man. No, no. It's through the preaching of the cross of Christ that he saves them that believe. And God himself accompanies. The Holy Spirit of God himself accompanies the message. And so if you have that message of, 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 of salvation, God has made each and every one of us his witnesses. And God will give you opportunities to say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I know I've been born again. And let me tell you what Jesus did for me. I'll never forget one time uh, going and, and, I, and I had these friends and, and we did workouts together and it was great. And we were sitting around and then all of a sudden they blurted it out. Why are you a Christian? And sometimes we don't necessarily think in terms of something that blunt, we need, to ask, we need to ask ourselves those questions. Why am I a Christian? Because it's true. I'm not just, hey, I'm not just choosing a religion. I'm not just choosing something because that's what my parents were. I'm not choosing something because I was born into it or that's my culture. I'm, I'm choosing it because it's true. And because it's the truth, God himself, the, the way, the truth, and the life, accompanies that message and he himself shows me it's the truth. And then when I begin to doubt, he himself again shows me it's the truth and that I belong to him. So this message begins to go out and people begin to get saved. And so now you have people who are from various different religious backgrounds. And that's what we're finding in the book of Romans. Now, Romans was written to, originally written to, the people who lived at Rome, the Christians who lived in Rome. This is a Gentile, a non-Jewish culture. And the culture in Rome, um, they would worship 
many different gods. Some of them were gods that the Romans had borrowed from Greek culture. Some of them were gods that they kind of came up with themselves. Some of them even included worshiping Caesar, who was kind of like the emperor, right, of the Roman Empire, worshiping him as a god. This is before they were saved. One of the ways that they would worship these pagan gods is they would come and they would bring animal sacrifices. And they would literally bring an animal, like an oxen or maybe a goat or whatever it may be, and they would come and they would bring these animal sacrifices to these big temples that were erected in honor of these gods and goddesses. And the priests would then kill these animals. The blood would flow out. The blood would be offered in honor of this god or goddess. But now you have an animal carcass here. What are you going to do with it? Well, perhaps in some cases they would offer up a burnt offering but what we find here in the book of Romans is that then they would take this carcass and they would, they would actually have meat stalls and meat markets right next to these big temples, these idol temples. So first they would offer the animal and then they would bring the animal out. They'd skin it out and then they would offer the meat. So then the worshipers of this god or goddess would come to the meat market and they would either sit and eat the meat right there like at a restaurant Okay, or they would buy the meat. But listen, it wasn't just, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to buy meat today from this one particular place and I'll bring it back home and cook it. The Bible says that they would they would buy it and then they would eat it as in honor to that God or goddess. Like we as Christians, we take at a very special time, we take and eat the Lord's Supper. It's not us just having a little juice and a little cracker because we're hungry. It's not just like an in-flight snack, right? Like on the airplane. It's not just a snack. It's not just another meal. It's not just something that Christians do just because we're hungry. It's not like the coffee table out there with the little snacks out there. It's different. It's, it's worship. It, there's, there's sentiment behind that. There's meaning behind it. And that's, what the, and, and, and that's exactly what's happening here in Romans chapter number 14 is that you would have these Gentile believers, their background, they had always gone to these meat markets and bought this meat and brought it home and cooked it, or perhaps um, ate it right there, and someone prepared it for them. And they were eating it. Yes, they were eating it as a meal, but they were eating it in worship to that god or goddess. And that's the context of Romans chapter number 14. The gospel is not just a Jewish gospel. It's a world gospel. So now we're having to deal with, well, when this person gets saved from this kind of a background, is it okay for them to eat that meat? And some people would say, absolutely, it's fine. Why? Because that God or goddess doesn't really exist. I mean, yeah, the idol's there, but in the reality, in the spirit world, it's not really actually there. I mean, it's nothing, right? Uh, and, 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 and the Bible says that there's, that there's no other God but one. Literally, there's no other God but one. There is no other spirit God that exists outside of the Trinity. Truth. So some people would say, it's not really a God. And so, yeah, if you're hungry and that's what's available and that's what you want to eat, fine, go eat it. Now, here's, 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 and then other people would say, absolutely not. You can't eat that meat. I mean, are you saved or are you not? Did you trust Christ as your Savior or did you not? Guys, here's the thing. When you get saved, your life ought to be different. 
And many times in scripture, it even says, if you say that you're saved, if you have a profession of faith and you say that you're saved and nothing has ever, ever changed in your life, you really need to go back and make sure whether or not you truly trusted Christ as your savior. Because if you trusted Christ as your savior, you will be different. It doesn't mean you'll automatically be perfect, but it means that the seeds of change are in your heart. He, Jesus Christ could not go into the tomb and remain in the tomb for more than three days. And he's supposed to come into your heart and save you and it never to affect you. It's just not possible. By their fruits, you shall know them. It says that in Matthew chapter number seven. And so people would say, well, if you trust Christ as your savior, how can you go back? How can you possibly go back and eat that meat? Are you going back and worshiping this god or goddess in honor? And you're eating this meal and you're paying them homage and you're worshiping them? And they have an argument. Well, yeah, but I'm not recognizing that and there's nothing inside that tells me. I just believe in there's one God. Then there's also another argument that happens in Romans chapter number 14. And this can happen either from the Jewish side or the Gentile side. There's the observance of days, holidays. And people would take special days to worship their God or their goddess. And they would take on the Jewish side. They had 12 major feasts and they would take special days to worship. And so you have Jewish believers now who have all these holidays and they think, well, um, I know that Jesus is the son of God and he's the fulfillment of all of the, all of these feasts, the Passover, for example. So is it wrong for us to continue to celebrate the Passover? Should we continue to do this? Because guys, here's the thing is that now we're getting into conscience and culture. How many of you are from Canada? You're born in Canada. Two, okay. Uh, Miss Sonia is from Colombia. Miss May is from in the Philippines, right? Okay. Uh, Miss Joan and Kent, Philippines. Miss Judy, Eritrea. I said that with a perfect accent. It'll, it'll never happen again. Miss <laughs> Priya, where are you from? Nepal. Uh, Miss Patricia? Brazil. Look at all the great countries we have represented here. And guys, here's the thing. It, God wants you to be proud of your culture and your background and your country. How can you say that, Pastor? Well, because in the book of Revelation, it says that, that, that when we're finally there, when we're all finally there, all of us believers are finally there in heaven. What's represented is every nation, meaning culture, and every tongue, which means language. Be proud of your culture. Be proud of your language. That's awesome. God loves diversity. And if he didn't, why did he make all the birds different colors? Right? And we could go through and go all of creation and say, why did he loves to show his creativity in, in allowing us to be different and showing us to be different. But here's the thing is because I'm different. I'm from America. I didn't know that. I don't know if I want to come to this church. Right. Our neighbors from the South. I hear that all the time. It's good. We're all different. You know what? We have an opportunity to do. Disagree. Why? 
Because your culture is different, my culture is different, and my culture is always right. That's how we think. And that's what, that's what they are arguing about here. The Jews, man, they were always right. But you know what? That's not just a Jewish thing. That's a human thing. Isn't it? We should be proud of our culture. We should love our language. We should love our, our, home, our, our, uh, our home place, our home country, our home, our home culture and our, and our family. We should love that. We should be proud of that. But here's what happens is that now, now that we're Christians, now that we're born again, God is not wanting you to wash away all of that so that now we come this um, homogenous, whitewashed is a term. Oh my goodness, I can't believe you said that. Yeah, let's go ahead and say that because we live in Canada. Whitewashed, we're no, now we're all just kind of these white, boring uh, Canadians. And not to say that white Canadians are boring, they're not. Pastor, I can't believe you're saying these things. But guys, this is where we live. Is this not where we live? Are we allowed to talk about where we live? Let's talk about where we live. Let's talk about what we deal with every single day. God wants Canadians to be proud that they're Canadians. And God wants Filipinos to be proud that they're Filipinos. But when we bring our background into our new faith, we have some choices to make. What are the choices to make? What do we continue to do? Well, here's the question. From your background and from your culture... Are there some things that are a part of the culture that are sin? Of course. Why? Because the world is full of sinners. And so when we're going back and we're looking at our culture, whatever your culture may be, or your home, your home country or your family, we have to be willing to look and see whether or not, does God want me to change this? Does he want me to modify the way I live? We have to identify, is this sin. That's point number one of this message. Is this sin? Everybody say it with me. Is this sin? Say it with me one more time. Is this sin? Are there certain parts of every culture where sin is a part of that culture? Yes, there is. And we have to be willing from God's word to say, God says this is sin and because it's sin, that does not please God. And because I'm a Christian and I'm born again, even though that's a part of my old, old culture, according to God's word, that's sin. And so I cannot, I can no longer do those things. For some scripture, let's look at Galatians chapter number six real quick. Now we've got to understand a lot of times we look at Christians or as Christians, we look at culture nowadays and we think, man, Culture nowadays, there's just so much craziness going on. Look, if we were to take the time and go and, and really dig into ancient cultures or cultures that were around during the biblical time period, they were crazy cultures. We think it's bad now. Back then, it was, they didn't have the technology. But man... It was not a time of law and order. And if, and if law and order did catch up with you, that's kind of the story of Jesus and the crucifixion. They would crucify thousands of people for the smallest little thing. It wasn't you're going to jail for a couple of years. It was, 
You're going to die a horrible and excruciating death and we're going to leave your body up on the cross for days and months so that people can watch you slowly decompose so that they will not do what we think maybe kind of sort of that you did. Jesus was not proven guilty when he died on the cross. It was just kind of like a little bit of political pressure and he said he's the son of God and we don't like that. And so, well, are you going to be loyal to Caesar or not? And, uh, you know, and, and, and so they got scared and they crucified him. So when we're going back to the Bible, we cannot think when God is telling us something is sin or something is wrong. We cannot think, oh, that's back then and they don't know the times and back then everything was different. No, no, no. Guys, listen, in some ways, back then was much worse than it is now. Galatians chapter number five, I think I told you six. Galatians five and verse number 19. Now, this is just a short list of sins. There are other lists in the Bible that we could take the time to look at that would give us larger lists, a more complete list. This is just one list, but we can just take a moment and look at this list and think, well, maybe in my culture, some of those things are kind of okay. Or maybe you can even think potentially about someone else's culture and think, well, I know in that culture or that country, maybe some of these things are They're just kind of common or maybe they're kind of okay. Or you know what? Maybe it's a country where there's not a lot of law and order. And so these things happen and people just kind of have to learn to live with them. There's not a lot of justice in that country for whatever reason. Galatians 5, verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. That means open. It's easily seen. Works of the flesh mean the works of those who are the unsaved world, which is every country in the world, which means every culture in the world has these things present. What are the, what's the list? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Now, all of those things in verse number 19 are in the sexual sense, every one of them. Okay? Verse 20, idolatry. We can see that when we're talking about Romans chapter 14, when we're talking about presenting this, this meat to be eaten in honor of an idol. Idolatry, right? Witchcraft, consulting the evil spirits in various ways. There are some cultures that worship these spirits. There are some cultures that conjure these spirits. There are some cultures that wear different amulets and different things in order to capture the protective, so-called protective powers or attention of these spirits. There are some cultures who even go so far as to say, we don't necessarily believe in, in the good spirits or in angels or in God or Jesus. We just recognize the evil and then we recognize the more evil. So we wear these, we wear these amulets and we wear these things in order to kind of capture the attention of the evil to give us victory over the more evil or maybe, maybe it's the more evil over the evil. It gets very confusing very quick. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness. Notice this is listed in a work of the flesh, which is sin, drunkenness. Now, there's hardly a culture in the world where drunkenness is just not a part of the culture. And sometimes it's a part of worship. And sometimes it's a part of being recognized as a a grown up in some ways. Drunkenness. Revelings. What's revelings? Just crazy parties. That's what it is. Just no limit, no limit parties. Just crazy, crazy party. And that's what it means. And such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past that they which do such things 
shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. So this is just a short list of what could be from a previous culture. Just a very short list. If we are going to go in and live the victorious Christian life, we have to ask ourselves this question. I'm from this background. Can I continue to do this, this, or this? We have to ask the question, is it sin? Now, who determines sin? Because that's another interesting thing about culture. Is different cultures look at different things and say, that's really okay and that's really not okay. So we can't, hey, friends, look at me. We can't look to our culture to define what is right and wrong. We have to look to who? We have to look to God. Specifically, we have to look to God's word. If we're Christians, we have to follow his word or else otherwise we're following culture. And culture changes constantly and even faster now through social media. Something could have been perfectly okay yesterday, but because something gets a million and a half views and likes and shares, now today it's not okay. That's just reality of social media, guys. So, hey, let let me just make a quick application. If my emotional health and my emotional stability depends upon whatever is happening in culture and whatever is going on in culture and me kind of keeping up with the culture and right and wrong and I'm, and I'm okay and I'm a good person because, because I'm doing whatever every, what everybody says in the culture versus now I'm a Christian and my mental health, again, that's more of a, a body term, not a spiritual term. We understand that as Christians, but it, but it is a thing, meaning I'm not in any way trying to say mental health does not exist. It absolutely exists. But if my mental stability and mental health is is determined based on God's word, this doesn't change. And culture constantly changes. Culture from where you're originally from is different from where your culture now practices their culture here in Toronto. Is that true? So how do I find peace in this world? Well, first through Jesus Christ, but also through determining right and wrong based on his word that does not change. Is it sin? You have to ask the question, is it sin? Romans chapter number 14. So when it comes to culture, right and wrong, who's right? Am I right? Are you wrong? Uh, or, or are you right? Is it, is it just, you know, well, whoever's, whoever's the most in the church, if there's most of this culture in the church, then they determine, or if that, the most, the, the, that person's really, really pushy, or that person's really kind of just quiet, and so that person's pushy, so they kind of have the, no, no. So who determines? Romans? Should we eat the meat or not? Verse one says, him that is weak in the faith receive ye. So we... We begin to understand here, and we don't have time to dig into every single verse of this chapter, but we begin to understand here, the Bible teaches very clearly in this chapter, that the more that you begin to understand the word of God, the, 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 the stronger you get in the faith, because here we're talking about the knowledge. And when it says, him that is weak in the faith received you, meaning if someone doesn't completely understand the word of God or what God's word says about this or that, As a Christian, it should not be for us to say, yeah, well, I'm just not going to talk to you. I'm not going to fellowship with you because you're weak or you're different. Or, hey, they are following their old culture more than they're following God's word. You're still, you're still, you still think that that, that eating meat is okay. 
that's been offered to idols. Or conversely, you think that not eating meat is the way to go. And so he's trying to say that depending on your viewpoint, you can look at somebody and say, you're different than me. In reality, our strength is, as a Christian comes from, comes from God's word. If, I, if, I am, if I'm coming to God's word and God says this is absolutely right, this is absolutely wrong, that is Christian strength. That's where my strength lies. Even when Jesus was, was, was being tempted of the devil, what did he go to? He went to God's word. Even Jesus himself said, as it is written, three times in that particular instance. Three times. Even Jesus' strength in his faith, which is not really the correct way of saying it, but in his defense against Satan, did not just say, oh yeah, well, you know who I... No. <laughs> and Jesus certainly didn't go to culture. Because that's weak. It changes. He went to God's word. Is it strong? It, it's unbreakable. It will last for eternity. So we will encounter other people whose culture, cultural background is different. And if they are more falling on the side of their culture versus on God's word, then uh, biblically, they're, they're going to be considered more weak in the faith. You can hate. We have to make a choice. Guys, listen. We have to make a choice to either be strong in our culture and weak in our faith. Or strong in our faith and a little bit weaker in our culture. Which means to the unsaved people that have the same background as us, they're going to look at us as not really being fully, in my case, American. And I promise you, that's exactly how they would look at me right now. And that's exactly how they're going to look at you. And they do look at you the more you grow in God's word. And you have to be willing to accept that because we want to be strong in the faith because that's where the victory is. And people start getting afraid of what other people think. And I'm going to lose my status in my community and people are going to look at me the same way. And so I'm going to kind of not be as strong in God's word. So you want to be weak in God's word and live according to sin nature and live according to lies. No, we as Christians, we want to please God and we want to grow. And so let's lean into God's word. So it's addressing this weak brother or sister. And when we look at someone else, we should have the attitude of love, walking charitably, making the choices towards him or her that Jesus would make. We're not going to say, hey, so you continue to eat meat at the temple that, uh, and that meat's been offered to idols, yeah, I'm not going to talk to you. Because then it comes down to conscience. There's one that judges, as it says in verse number 11. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to God, or sorry, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So that every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. When we're, when, look, a big part of Christianity is us interacting and learning one another. Practicing Christianity with other Christians is the basic of Christianity. We have to remember, that person thinks a little different than me, but I'm not the judge. God's the judge of their heart. That's what this is talking about. God is the judge. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
If you've not yet trusted Christ as your Savior, you will all stand before God one day. The great white throne judgment. We will all be judged for the way we live our lives. If someone is leaning more into Scripture, we're going to be judged. For that person who's weak in the faith and they're leaning more into culture and they're kind of shying away from Christianity, even though they're saved, they'll be judged. The choices that we make every single day, we will be judged. And guys, listen, in context, we will be judged according to how we treat each other. Did you show that other Christian who thinks differently than you, not about sin, because that's clear, but maybe about background and about conscience and about preferences, things that aren't 100% clear in Scripture? Did you show that person love? Or did you kick them out of the club? Did you talk bad about them? Did you make a Facebook post? Did you start whispering? Did you, did you start saying, you know what? Let's just kind of squeeze them out. I'm going to invite everybody but them. Because they eat meat at the temple uh, and it's been offered to idols and we don't, we don't do that. That's what verse 1 is talking about. We will be judged based on our love to one another. That's kind of scary. I find it scary. You know what's easier for me to do? You know what's easier for us to do? Is for me to be comfortable in my Christianity and comfortable in my culture both. And for me not to ever make any changes for anybody else. Well, I'm right, obviously. And they're wrong, obviously. That's what we naturally do. Instead of saying, you know what? That person thinks a little bit differently than me. They, hey, they dress a little bit differently than me. They think a little bit differently than me. Maybe it's because they're weaker in the faith, or maybe it's just because they're from a different background. Maybe their music is a little different than mine. Uh-oh, hey man. They're, they, they're, they're different. We're not talking about what the Bible clearly says, because that would be sin. To go against what the Bible clearly says is sin, is sin. But it is also clearly sin when we find a Christian who practices Christianity a little bit differently because of their cultural background and treat them badly. Would Jesus kick them out? You know what? I, sometimes I, I wonder and think, 2,000 years ago, what did Jesus actually look like? Did you ever wonder that? Like how tall was he, I wonder? And like his clothes, what did they actually look? I'm just curious, I wanna know. I want a photo. I do. I want a video. I want to see him teach. And you know what? With those disciples back then, and maybe even Jesus, it would be so easy for us to look at them and think, that's different. I, I expected them to sing Amazing Grace. They didn't even sing Amazing Grace back then in the first church in the book of Acts. You call yourself a Christian and you don't even sing. Guys, look, Amazing Grace was written in the 1800s. Let, let me tell you something. They, they didn't sing Amazing Grace, but they lived Amazing Grace. And that's what we're supposed to agree on. And that's the foundation of loving one another. And that's the foundation of not, I mean, remember, we're talking about agape love where it's not feeling, it's making the right choices. Phileo love, the Greek word phileo, that is feeling. Agape is, I'm going to make the right choices toward that person. 
I'm not going to exclude them. I'm not going to talk bad about them. I'm not going to judge their heart because God's the judge. A few more verses and we'll wrap up. Let's jump back over to the verses we started with. Verse 15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, meaning I'm the one that's eating the meat that's been offered to idols, it doesn't bother me because I'm not from that background. I've never eaten meat that's been offered to an idol. So for me to go to one of these restaurants that serves this meat, to me, it's food. It came from God. God's the one that made this this animal. God made some animals to be eaten. I mean, you can eat almost anything, but some of them are more tasty than others, right? Amen. (gasps) Yeah, amen. It's true. That's Bible, right? But what what happens when when a weaker brother or another brother is over there and he's watching me eat the meat and he's just like, I can't believe Pastor Corey is eating that meat. He's worshiping that goddess. Now in my heart, I'm not. Not even a little bit. I'm just hungry. And that was the closest restaurant. So what is the rule? Walk charitably. Love stops. That's our slide. I could go and eat at that restaurant and eat that meat. I could purchase there. But here's the thing. Is there some younger brothers and sisters, younger meaning younger in Christ, maybe not in actual age, Weaker brothers and sisters who see me do that and they become offended like, oh my goodness, he says he's a Christian. He's supposed to be a pastor. He's eating that. Can you believe? And it becomes so, it becomes so confusing in their mind. The Bible says they stumble. They quit practicing Christianity. They quit coming to church. They quit reading their Bible. I can't believe that happened and they're done. So what's the rule? The rule is for us, those of us who are stronger, those of us who know God's word, those of us who are coming to this sense of maturity and adding to our faith charity as we've been studying, we need to be willing to limit our personal choices for the sake of someone who is weaker in the faith than me. Application, children are weaker in the faith than me. There are things that I can do. There's music I can listen to. There's places that I can go. There are things that I can do that could potentially be a stumbling block for my kids, your kids, and um, potentially be a stumbling block to those who are kids in the faith, weaker in the faith. And so then we that are stronger in the faith, we limit ourselves. Adding to your faith, love. Verse 20 says, for meat destroy not the work of God. What is it that God is trying to build inside of each and every one of us? He's trying to build these things that we find in verse 17. It will be done with this. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. A mature Christian 
is more concerned about you having joy and peace in the Holy Ghost and true righteousness, more concerned about you and your spiritual life than about my personal freedom. I'm willing to limit my freedom and you are willing to limit your freedom, even though from your culture, you think, well, that's fine. Or even from your culture, you may think it's no big deal. For the sake of those who are weak. This is Christian love. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.